God's amazing love. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen. We're in a series here in the book of uh, Hebrews, so I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to read together verses 1 through 11, Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 11. Please let's stand, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Read along with me, please, as we read this portion from God's Word. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as it did to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, I swore by my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken in the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he, appointed, he appoints a, day, uh, a certain day, today saying through David, so long afterward in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this rest that you make available to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we read, as we study your word today, we ask that the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, will illumine our hearts, that we might understand the message he has for us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. For we pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You know, as we have mentioned all through this series, that the book of Hebrews is all about exalting Jesus. It's all about exalting Jesus from the very first chapter all the way through the end of this book. Jesus Christ is magnified and he is exalted. A major theme of the book of Hebrews is rest. We've seen that, rest. It's not talking about laziness, as you will 
certainly see this morning. A couple of Sundays ago, we looked at God's promise of rest. And we saw how the author of Hebrews uses the illustration of Israel's experience in the wilderness to make his point. God's promise to Israel to give them the land of Canaan as an inheritance forever. And it was everything. That land was everything that God said it would be. <laughs> a land flowing with milk and honey, a good land. But instead of believing God and entering the land, what did Israel do? Israel did not believe God, and as a result, well, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire adult generation died in the wilderness, in the desert. It's a sad story to come to the very edge of the promised land, but fail to enter God's rest. Well, the author of Hebrews wants his readers to know that God has a rest for them. And I believe that God wants us to know today that God has a rest for us today. That rest still remains for all believers. There's one word that is that is repeated over and over again. We've already read it this morning, and that word is today, today, emphasizing that this rest is for us right now, today. It's not just a future rest when we get to heaven. No, this rest is for us today. We can experience this rest today. St. Augustine in the 4th century spoke of this rest when he wrote in his Confessions, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. There is no rest apart from Jesus Christ. So my friend, if you're here today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, there's no rest for you. But those of us who know Christ and who have that personal relationship with him, that rest is possible for us. Well, what is this rest? Well, as we saw before, it's not so easy to define, but you know it when you've got it, and you know it when you don't have it. That's very, very clear. This rest is experiencing, really, our inheritance in Jesus Christ. It, it's, it, it's experiencing all that we have in Jesus Christ, all the spiritual blessings that we have in him. In short, rest is really experiencing the peace with God, the peace with God, the peace that, that brings satisfaction and joy, the peace of knowing that all is well, that God is in complete control. And Hebrews is going to tell us much more about this rest in our passage today. But now, just let me say that there is an initial rest when you come to Christ as your Savior. And um, that is a relationship with him. Uh, that's peace with God. It's the peace of being in a right relationship with Christ. It's the peace of knowing that all of your sins are forgiven. All of them. It's the peace of knowing that you have eternal life. And this initial rest is salvation rest. And, and I certainly hope that everyone in here today has this salvation rest, this initial rest. You know, Jesus, speaking of salvation rest, 
uh, is when he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, to the people in his day, he says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking about that salvation rest, that initial rest. And what he is saying to these Jews in his day who were trying to live under the burden of the Mosaic law, who were trying to work for their salvation, who were trying to earn their salvation, he was saying to them, just come to me and I will give you freely without cost the salvation that you're trying to earn. Salvation rest is the rest that God gives when we cease from working for our salvation, when we rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. However, salvation, salvation rest must be sustained throughout our Christian life. In other words, salvation does not immune us, immune us from the troubles of life. We all know that. The Christian life is not a carefree life. It's not a trouble-free life. And anyone who would tell you different is lying to you. Jesus never promised a trouble-free life. In fact, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. You know, that's a promise. So we aren't promised a trouble-free life. What we are promised is God's presence in the midst of the troubles of life. Pastor Adrian Rogers says it best. Jesus didn't leave heaven and come to earth to get us out of trouble, but he came to get into trouble with us. Jesus promises to be with us. He promises to go through life's struggles with us so that we can rest in him. So Hebrews is talking about this Christian rest, this Christian rest. And this is the rest these Hebrew Christians desperately needed in their troubles. And this is the rest that we need in our troubles as well. Now, chapter 4 opens with an invitation to enter God's rest. And also a warning not to make the mistake that Israel did. So let's look at the first two verses again. This invitation to enter God's rest and also a warning not to make the mistake that Israel did. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Now, Israel heard the good news. Some of your translation says the gospel. It means the good news. They heard the good news from Caleb and Joshua that they could take the land, that it was everything that God said it was, was that they could take the land because of God's promise. But the message that they heard did not benefit them because they did not respond in faith. They heard the message, but they did not Believe the message. Now, Israel had every reason to believe God, just, just like we have every reason today to believe God. Israel saw the plagues that came on the Egyptians. They witnessed that. They, they saw the parting of the Red Sea. Imagine that. They saw Moses lift up his staff, and immediately the 
the sea parted. They saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They saw the provision of God through the manna and water from the rock. Yet when the time came for them to step out in faith, they did not believe and did not enter the rest God had for them. Now, I, I think it's very important for us to understand that the thousands, the ten thousands, the hundreds of thousands of Israelites that left Egypt were true believers. They were. They were redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb. By faith, they, they put the blood up there on the, ab above the doorpost in their homes, believing that God was going to protect them. They were redeemed. We have no reason to think that they were not true believers. But only two of them, only two of them believed God, God's promise, and found rest. Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb. Now what does this tell us? Well, it tells me that you can be a true believer and experience salvation rest, this peace with God, and not experience Christian rest, the, the peace of God that God desires for us to, to share with him. The key to finding God's rest is to believe God, is to trust him. The only thing that keeps us from not finding God's rest is not to believe God. Now we go back to that, that old question, what does it mean to believe? Well, to believe is not just mental assent. It, it, it's not just mental agreement to the facts of the gospel, that Jesus lived, that he died, he rose again. Now, the facts are important. We don't minimize the facts of the gospel. But just believing the facts will not bring Christian rest. To believe means to trust. It means to trust in. It means to rely upon. It means to cling to Jesus moment by moment moment by moment, and this is what brings rest, trusting Jesus. God gives us this rest when we do what? When we cast all of our cares and our burdens on him and leave them there, and that's the key, leaving them there. The more we trust, the more we find rest. You know, I love missionary biographies, and one of the missionary biographies that I really enjoy is Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. That's one of my um, favorite biographies. Hudson Taylor was the founder of China Inland Mission, and he lived a very stressful life in China as a missionary, yet he experienced God's rest. I want to read some of the excerpts from, from the book that was written by his son. It says, Day and night was his secret. Day and night was his secret. Just to roll the burden on the Lord. Just to roll the burden on the Lord. Frequently those who were awake in the little house in Ching Chang might hear at two or three in the morning the soft refrain of Mr. Taylor's favorite hymn, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. He goes on in the book. He had learned that from Christ, only one life was possible, just that blessed life of resting and rejoicing in the Lord under all circumstances, 
while he dealt with the difficulties inward and outward, great and small. This rest Hudson Taylor experienced, the author of Hebrews says, is still available to us today. Just look again at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Notice those words, his rest still stands. Folks, it's still available to us today. If we roll our burdens and our cares on him, if we trust him. And let, let me just ask you, what are you going through today? What are, what are you going through today? What, what troubles are you encountering today? Are you trusting Jesus? Really trusting him? If you're worrying yourself sick over the things you cannot change, if you're fretting about the future, you will never experience God's rest. The key to rest is trusting Jesus. Day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, to roll your burdens on him. Trusting Jesus is what gives rest. Now, Hebrews goes on to tell us more about this rest in verses 3 through 5. He says, for we have, for we who have believed, enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Notice that, my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. That is the book of Genesis, of course. And God rested on the seventh day from his works. And again, in, his, in this passage, he says, they shall not enter my rest. Now, there's something in, in these verses that it's so easy just to, just to read and just to pass right over and miss it. Notice, God calls this rest that he wants us to enjoy today, now, he calls it my rest. My rest. Now, now why does he call it my rest? because this is the rest that he himself enjoys. Just let that sink in just for a minute. God wants us to experience the rest that he experiences, that he enjoys. Now, I've tried to find a way of illustration, and I, I just want you to imagine that you were invited by Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, to, to visit her in her palace there in England. So you fly into Heathrow Airport, and uh, her limousine, her royal limousine, is there to pick you up and take you to Buckingham Palace. And the butler shows you the finest guest room in the palace, and that's where you're going to stay for the weekend. And that night, you have dinner with the Queen and Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. And then the following day, the Queen takes you on a personal tour of all her royal estates. You go to Windsor Castle. You go to Sandrum House. You, you go to the burial grounds at Frogmore. You, you see everything. 
<laughs> You're even given a freshly pressed kilt to wear to explore the royal trout streams and to go on a pheasant hunt, all of this. And then later in the evening, you have dinner with the queen once again. And the queen presents you with a 24-carat gold fountain pen engraved with her royal seal. Now, that would be, in some way, sharing the queen's bread. Now, as wonderful as that might be, it doesn't even come close comparing to sharing God's rest. Uh, imagine sharing God's rest, the rest he enjoys, a rest free of fear and anxiety and worry. Now, see, Hebrews is saying that this rest is available to us now today if we trust him completely and wholly. Now, of course, um, there's going to be a final rest to come. We know that. God's rest will not be finally realized until we're in heaven. But the point of Hebrews is that we can enjoy, we can enjoy a little bit of heaven on earth if we wholeheartedly put our trust in God. In fact, this rest is so wonderful that the author of Hebrews fears that his readers might miss it. He says again in verse 1, the first part, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. I believe he's saying, don't miss God's rest. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Hebrews further describes God's rest by relating it to the rest God enjoyed when he finished creating the universe. <laughs> That's what he says in verses 3 and 4 again. For we who have believed enter that rest as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Here it goes. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. One of my favorite um, commentaries is Kent Hughes's commentary, and I believe he gives us a lot of insight concerning God's rest that that he wants to share with us. And in his commentary, Kent Hughes says that this rest is a joyous rest. It's a joyous rest. Job chapter 39, verse 7 says that when God finished creating the universe, it says that the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. These were the angels. Sometimes angels are referred to as the morning stars and also the sons of God. The angels shouted for joy at God's creation. But you know what they were doing? They were merely echoing the joy that God felt as he looked back on all that he had created. Let me take a swallow. I remember a professor in seminary telling about sitting on his back, on the porch behind his house on a late summer evening. And he was enjoying God's creation. And he says the woods behind his house were ablaze with thousands of fireflies. 
He says as he, as he looked on this aspect of God's creation, these are the words he spoke to the class. He said, I can imagine the immense pleasure and joy that sight must bring to our God. I can only imagine the immense pleasure and joy that sight must bring to our God. See, God's rest is a joyous rest. And we can enjoy that joy too. Secondly, it's a satisfying rest. At the end of each day of creation, God exclaimed, it is good. You know the story. After the first day, it is good. Second day, it is good. Third day, it is good. Fourth day, it is good. Fifth day, it is good. But on the sixth day, when God finished his final act of creation, the creation of man in his own image, he exclaimed, it is very good. It was like God let out a sigh of everlasting satisfaction. God's rest is a satisfying rest, a rest that we can enjoy as well. Think about what Paul says. He says, I have learned, I have learned to be content. I've learned to be satisfied in whatever state I'm in. We can enter into that rest as well, that satisfying rest. And thirdly, um, Dr. Dr. Hughes, Dr. Um, he says, it is a working rest. It is a working rest. On the seventh day, God rested, but he didn't stop working, did he? He rested from his, his creative work, but he didn't stop working because God is still at work today. Jesus said in John 5, verse 17, My Father is working until now, and I am working. God is busy at work right now in our world, in your life, in my life. He's working in our church. He is at work today. So when we enter God's rest, it doesn't mean we stop working, though. We're, we're to be busy working as well, serving Jesus. And so God's rest is a joyous, satisfying, working rest. That's the rest he enjoys, and that's the rest we can share as well. Now look at verse 6. Since there it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. Now, Again, I want you to notice those words, it remains for some to enter. It remains for some to enter. In other words, Israel heard the good news, but because of unbelief, they missed it. So God's rest remains for us today. And, and Hebrews is once again saying, make sure you don't miss this rest. And again, verse 7, again, he points, he appoints, a day today saying through David so long afterwards and the words already quoted today if you hear his voice do not harden your heart and again I just want to point out that one word today today when are we to enter God's rest <laughs> we're to enter it today there's only one requirement trusting Jesus I'm so glad it doesn't depend on how smart we are, or how much knowledge of the Bible we have. I'm so glad it doesn't depend upon how long we've been a Christian. I'm so glad it doesn't depend on how good you've been in the past 
All that doesn't matter. What matters is today. What matters is trusting Jesus today with your life, your family, your children, your future. It's about trusting him completely, letting your burdens roll on him. Look at verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. You know, if Canaan, if Canaan was all there was, God would not have told us about another rest. Now, did you know that the names Joshua and Jesus are the very same names? They are, very same names. Jesus is the Greek name for the Hebrew name Joshua. You're the same name. Now, Joshua, the Old Testament Jesus, what did he do? He led Israel into the promised land into a place of rest. But a far greater rest was coming. <laughs> Jesus, our Joshua, our New Testament Joshua, leads us into his rest if we trust him. You know, there's a hymn that I just love, and it's entitled, Like a River Glorious, and it speaks of this rest. Just listen to these words. Let, let them sink in just for a minute. Like a river glorious is God's perfect what? Peace. Overall victorious is his bright increase. Perfect, yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect, yet it groweth deeper all the way. Hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand, never foe can follow, never traitor stand. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry touch the spirit there. Every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. We may trust Him fully, all for us to do. They who trust Him wholly find Him holy too. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as He promised perfect peace and rest. And the question is, are you trusting him wholly, wholly, completely? Look at verses 9 and 10. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. A Sabbath rest remains. Again, this doesn't mean that we're to stop wor working. Of course not. It means that we're to stop trying to handle life ourselves. It means that we're to cast our cares on Jesus. It means that we're to depend upon Jesus to bear our burdens. That's what it means. In verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. In Hebrews, he's just saying, don't make the same mistake Israel did by not trusting the Lord. There is a rest but there's no rest apart from trusting him. I want to tell you about Miss Murray. I want to tell you about Miss Murray. She was an old lady that lived in our neighborhood in Dillon when I was growing up. And, and I believe that she was a really good example of a child of God who entered God's rest. Miss Murray had little of the, wor the world's goods. 
but she had plenty of the world's troubles. She really did. She had a mentally ill daughter who, who lived with her, and some of the neighbors really resented that and were really ugly to her. But the one thing that stands out to me as I think about Miss Murray is her remarkable trust in God. This lady had a remarkable trust in God. She would do anything for you. Um, I remember one once I decided on her birthday to bake her a cake. Now, I had never baked a cake before. And when I took it over there, she said, well, let's cut it and, and eat a piece. Well, she invited some of the neighbors around, and, and she cut it, and it was not done inside. Not done at all. And I remember some of the neighbors kind of held their nose up to it and said, is this the first cake you ever made? And I said, really, it is. But I'll never forget Miss Murray's reaction. It was as if that was the best cake that she had ever had in all of her life. One day she lost her house key. And she came over to our house and asked us to pray for her that she might find her house key. Now, some might say, a lost key, that's no big thing. Well, it was a big thing to her. It really was. And that dear saint of God, she went home and she cried out to God to help her find her, her lost house key. She had no idea wherever it was. Praying all the time, she searched her house, didn't find it. And she walked out into her backyard and just looked down, and there it was. Her key was lying hidden in the grass. Now, some might say, well, that's just chance. <laughs> that was just good luck. I say it was childlike faith in the saint of God who had entered God's rest. Again, what are you going through today? I don't really know. Probably the person sitting next to you doesn't know what troubles you might be going through today. And it's probably not a lost key. It's probably something much different than that. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you are fearful about something. Maybe you're worried about the future. Maybe it's a, it's a wayward child that's breaking your heart. Maybe it's a lost child that's breaking your heart. Let me ask you, what is that burden or burdens that you need to roll on the Lord right now to enter his rest. What is that burden? What, what are those burdens right now that you need to just give to God? You just need to roll on to him so that you can enter God's rest. You see, Hebrews says we can enter God's rest today, right now. Right now. It remains for those who will wholeheartedly 
trust him. Just like the hymn says, those who trust him wholly find him.